this is Michael and welcome to the Dreadcore. Alright guys, we were actually due to record an episode today, so um, we're actually going to be putting out something every week in December, well for the four weeks leading up to Christmas as a sort of mini advent, I guess. Uh, today I'm joined by the fifth beetle, Megan. The fifth beetle? Well yeah, what do you, what do you call the fifth per- oh, Okay, do you want to be Yoko Ono instead? No, no, people don't like that. <sighs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway, so let's just have a quick natter because that's what we're going to do in these things. We're, we're breaking up the, the we're going to have the main episode out next week and then there's going to be a couple yeah. more episodes in December. So let's start with come to the end of the year. We both had some hobby goals set up with uh, Jewel Knight Jess's uh, Paint Hammer 2020 thing. Mine was to paint 865 models kind yeah. of smashed that how many did you paint so far Where's this um, paper piece of paper uh 1295 i mean that is including scenery includes scenery that wasn't needed but you know and 120 <laughs> sheet ghosts yes so sheet ghosts <laughs> yeah so what was yours mine was following that i can't really follow that can i mine was to paint one unit for every month of the year that's how little i paint and i wanted it to change some of it was blood angels so that's good i I did manage to do that i managed to smash through that so i decided to try and paint two model units for every for every month and i didn't quite paint two units yet and i've got a lot of other projects other craft projects to do for christmas presents that are stopping me from painting at the minute I'm going to blame you for having a messy desk to stop me painting. Yeah, because we actually share a desk, and yeah, I have a habit of. But well, I'm tidying up. I'm gonna as soon as as soon as as soon as this episode is put out, I'm literally taking the desk apart and re- and putting it back together again because it because it's a mess and I need to tie up some cables and stuff. So anyway, um, right. So what about you? So what what you're aiming to do next year? Paint more. Paint more. Yeah. Oh. I need a specific goal, but I do want to start painting more. I've got a bunch of Orcs 40k satin boxes, and they are not built, they're not painters, and I just want to do them. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. I kind of want to do Orcs as well. Uh, I've got a bunch that are unfinished, um, but I think I'm going to try and concentrate instead of on quantity... Like I did this year and last year, I'm going to try and concentrate on painting some stuff that I really want to get painted. So like Blackstone Fortress, my Warhound, to bring it back into heresy. You do need to do your Warhound. Yeah. It's been sat in a box unloved for too long. It's not unloved. I mean, I love it. I I look over occasionally at the box and admire it. But yeah, you're right. Shoved in a corner. Okay, it kind of is shoved in a corner, isn't it? Is that because the bookcase is in a corner? Okay, right. All right. So anyway, what this episode is, is it's an interview with our good friend Miles from Little Legends uh, Painting Studio. Um, I do love that name, even if he says he hates it. I love it. Well, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting story, he says. He tells it to everybody. Um, you know, whether you've heard it a dozen times, you'll tell it to you again. 
<laughs> but it's actually kind of a funny story. So, yeah, what? I'm not telling it because he's telling it in the episode. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after this yeah. recording. Listen to the episode, and you will hear the funny story. Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to be back next uh, week uh, with a full episode of the show. Well, it won't be full, full because we've taken this out, but. It'll have stuff in it. And uh, we're going to talk about the Death Guard. And obviously, Black Library um, presentation this Saturday. So hopefully, next Siege of Terror novel. But nobody wants to know about those things. They want to know about the manatees. Manatees. That's what they they subscribe for. That's what they listen for. Manatee chat. Okay, well. The manatee chat. We might have to do a literal (laughs) one-hour show just on manatee facts. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, Here's your interview. Next, we have a special guest joining us, uh, somebody who we have spoken to in the past and it's a delight uh, to speak to, the master of the Little Legend studio himself. In fact, it's not so much Little, it's just all legend, the one and only Miles David. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Do you know where the name Little Legend comes from? It's the most inane, boring story, and it proves I don't know how to name things. Perfect for a Death Guard episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it, it came from an eBay account. Um, I, I I wasn't even selling Warhammer. I think I was, I was selling something. I can't remember what. Beanie and Babies? Every, everything I entered wouldn't bloody work. So I just come up with a uh, little Lizzie legend uh at gmail.com it, it was it was the the most crazy thing i could think of and it was accepted and of course that's not the catchiest thing f- to name a commission painting studio so i abbreviated to little legend studio which is such a mouthful to say and it's too full of too many l's uh it's a dumb name but i when i started marketing myself i didn't have anything better and now that's that's where we all are you know it's all about the brand you have built that brand. So, uh, yeah, yeah built up that stupid little name into something. Yeah. Very good. So we spoke, I, you know, I was trying to think when we last spoke, but it was it was a significant amount of time it's ago. A couple of years ago now. Isn't it? I know, right? Hasn't that gone quickly? So I think when we spoke, we had a really good conversation about, um, you know, sort of setting up, you know, doing what you're doing full time yes. and all of the challenges that, that that entails. So how has, from that point to this point, how has things been going under what I'm it's been particularly crazy circumstances, what with COVID and what have you? Booming is the best way I could describe it. Just nothing but a success story until 2020 happened. <laughs> oh, I was about to say some good news at last. Look at I, yeah. Until 2020. I mean, you know what? You've seen the news. You've all have friends who own small businesses, local yeah. businesses, and they're all going tits up. Shit. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, it, it's been harrowing, to say the least, this year. However, this year discounted, uh, it's, we've seen steady growth, thankfully. Uh, we have regular customers. Yep. Uh, we have regulars on the Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's what's encouraging from my point of view, right? It's not the new people who want commission work done. It's the people who return, people who keep returning, to make okay. sure you have that core uh, clientele who are happy with the product you're providing. And yeah, uh, yeah that, 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 I think that's the key to all good businesses, right? Repeat business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I suppose at the same time, you know, they say, oh, the hobby's doing really well under lockdown. I suppose mm-hmm. that's people who are getting into it to paint stuff themselves rather than sending mm-hmm. it out for commission. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's in my in my mind, 
I didn't think it would make that much of an impact. If that makes sense because I, I can't. I suppose you don't do too many face-to-face sort of um, consultations with people. Most of your work must be sort of online interaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, so for the most part, I'm I'm, I'm very lucky because uh, the Little Legend Studio brand. Uh, I feel like such a snake oil statesman when I say that word brand. I feel like spitting it out as soon as I can. But yeah, uh, because I learned very on very early on. I'm not a businessman, not at all. I'm a hobbyist who is able to support a life by painting. Um, and I've, I've tried to learn as much as I can, but the business world is horrifying. Mm. Uh, I, I don't like it. But um, okay, as far as we are booked up, um uh, we were booked up all the way through 2020 uh and we booked up until midway uh 2021 as well so in nice. those terms very little changes however patreon uh which is a big big significant portion of my income uh that came about because i was having my first my first child uh, mm-hmm. my little boy dylan and at the time i could take a couple of months out of work but if something did happen to me, I wouldn't be able to go much longer than two months. Yes. Um, and that's where the difficulty starts coming with 2020, with oh, COVID, um, with content for Patreon. If I got ill and I was out for a significant period of time, I had to make sure there's a body of work to be released to mm. continue on with that. So even though hobbying and booking commissions didn't, well, unexpectedly, it did have quite a big knock-on effect with a, a Warhound commission I'm working on currently, uh, because I was unable to get the base, uh, a wooden base. Mm. So that delayed the project significantly, and I had to rearrange my schedule around that. So I had to bring projects forward, knock some things back. This entire year, as it, it felt like a grenade has been thrown into my schedule and blown up. But thankfully, uh, everyone's. I've explained the situation. Everybody's happy. Uh, it, it's. It's taken significantly longer this year to get commissions out because of the stuff that you wouldn't think would have an impact on, like childcare, mm. for example. I wasn't sure whether I'd have to stay and take time off to look after Dylan. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's all these considerations I try to make two to three months in advance uh, mm. to make sure that if something does happen to me, that there's a there's something there to keep on going, or there's a, a backup plan. Because the last thing you want to do is is just leave people high and dry. I mean, mm, yeah. when I first started getting to commission painting, it felt like it was a little bit of a, a cowboy racket. There's a lot of people ripping each other off. Um, so I tried to. Oh, who's Sorry. Naughty dog. My phone on silent. Ooh, every time. If he, isn't, if he isn't moving his house halfway through, it's not, cat, if it, yeah, if it's not getting the <laughs> removals in. It's something. If he's not doing some DIY bashing walls down, <laughs> the rest of us are in. Um, cotton wool based outfit I literally have my cat in a cage behind me because she's recovering from surgery but it also helps keeping her quiet oh I hope she's okay I'll send some scary pictures of massive scars later oh my god I'll talk talk to you later about that I'm I'm (laughs) such a big cat person okay Uh, so so I I had to make sure there was a body of work that uh, if something did happen to me the last thing you want to do is leave people high and dry without mm. a word of where you are, what's happening. Good, clear communication, even when things are going wrong, is key. And mm-hmm. most people, 99.999% of people, are understanding. We're all mm. adults. We're all in this hobby. We all understand the greater... Ra- like, this is this is a very niche hobby, and it can feel like the world at times, but people are very understanding for the most part. Got you. 
it's really interesting fascinating actually because it's one of those things that you know from the outside in you wouldn't even consider mm-hmm. but you you know having to have that sort of a surety that you've got at least two months worth of income coming mm-hmm. in you know that you've got enough content you've got enough stuff on the pipeline etc cetera, etc cetera, to keep get going you know and it's one of those things that i expect a lot of people probably aren't aware of that when you're doing that as just you know yourself and you're actually making your your livelihood from it there are a lot of considerations you know it's not just a question of rocking up on a monday morning and saying i'm going to paint this there is a lot more thought to it i think that's really an interesting insight thanks for that Miles. Really oh good. that's okay I, it, I mean it might be uh, like a topic to explore later on down the line commission painting the the hidden yeah i think it's i think a lot of it's one of those things where people probably just aren't aware yeah you know and then not necessarily and like say so your experience in the area is you know enabled to sort of because I know we talked about this last time as well about the you know you you give up all of the things that you take for granted you know when you start working for yourself doing this you know because mm-hmm. it's a and and it's quite scary but you're kind of pursuing that dream so it's that kind of offset of those two things so. yeah yeah I mean a, a lot of it is dealing with the mental side of things feel so when you're in a job there's a certain surety that you're getting paid per month every month yeah. but in this I'm because I'm paying myself you almost feel like you're walking a tightrope without a safety net underneath you. If something yeah, goes yeah. wrong, it could really, really go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I, especially when you first start out, uh, I, I'm thankful that I, I've, I've worked over what, like I think we're in the seventh year of being a professional miniature painting. I managed to reach that point where I'm not having to almost like look over my shoulder any longer, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it is, it is, meant anybody who makes in this business has my full respect because it, it's a tough business to not only break into make a name but sustain yourself over the years totally wow that's really good thanks ever so much for that oh, that's um, okay no it's, it's sort of thing we you know we, we on edge of empires we love this sort of thing so i know that last time we spoke we were talking about the number of games that you've played and because i am an online stalker review <laughs> uh, i believe that you have played a few games and in fact i also saw the other week not that i am stalking you honest government <laughs> that you commented about the blood angels as well and certain rules around them which i thought was pretty cool so have you managed to get any games in mate uh, did you i think you went to and i'm i say i think you went to and then think oh that sounds really creepy um it was outside the window at the yes time. did you go to the the heresy event in i think it was in was it in cardiff the one that uh, recently Greg. a couple of years back Greg ones yeah yes i did um i can't remember the name of it tech and reaver yes that, that was about the right. last kind of big event that i went to uh, i'm very fortunate the local gaming group i'm with unbelievably um uh, passionate gamers it, it very much gamers hobbyists law first and i guess the nitty bitty gritty things of the game second so if it, you can let your imagination really run rampant with them um really fortunate to have found them uh, i've i can't remember as the end of last year or the start of this year but we did play a necromunda campaign uh cult munda so we each picked a cult be it imperial uh other uh chaos gene stealer and we all fought it out to be to see who would be the official religion of our little part (laughs) (laughs) and weirdly enough uh nurgle won so the cult of the corpse emperor ascendant good Uh, it's all coming up, Death Guard, even even yes, segue, I mean, nice segue. I think it will be a nice follow-up uh, to have like an, another campaign surrounding that, how this mysterious plague has somehow swept through our little part of the Underhive. <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah. how on earth did that happen? And how did that happen? Yeah, how did, how did that? You know, the, <laughs> the guys of the Corpse Emperor's Ascendant are doing quite well. They, that must be the 
correct religion. They've got it right. Clearly. Yeah. So how did you, um? so did you play Blood Angels at the, in terms of 30k, did you manage to get I any? Did. Uh, yes, oh, yeah. it was Sanguinius's first run out. And oh my Lord, <laughs> that guy is, it feels like you're pe- playing uh, a tornado on the battlefield. Oh, yeah. you, you don't so much order a battle line around him, you unleash him and yeah. storms through unit to unit to unit. Um, if you manage to keep him going on a roll like that, he's just absolutely unstoppable. Um, Can you give Chris some tips? Because he bounced off Erebus last time. I saw. Oh. No, not Erebus. No, he bounced Log- off, Log- Log- off Chuffin Logar. Yeah, well, Log- that's Log- concussive for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take the uh, Sai Arcana to debuff so you could get rid of uh, any witchery nonsense. Yeah, the, uh, the um, thing of the Blazing Sun. Yeah, during the event, uh, I had Sanguinius gearing himself up for a charge against Magnus and the unit of Sekhmet, all fully pumped up with Biomancy, three up, invulnerable reroll, the lot. Now, a Dreadnought with those two flamers, with the uh, magical flamers that strip them of any buffs, does wonders for your state of mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet it does. Ah, good, good. Sh- I mean, yeah, that is an intimidating thing. Magnus, biomancy up to the hill, iron arm, everything. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and the segment around him, so he can do what he likes. And then, yeah, because you find just say, no, you can forget all of that. You find with Primarch on Primarch battles, it's not the Primarchs are settlers; it's their bodyguard, it's their boyfriends yeah. around them. Yeah, all about so the boyfriend you, squad. Yes, yeah, so you've got to make sure your boyfriend squad is on point, is on fleek, uh, because they're the ones who are going to do the heavy lifting. It was actually the Dreadnought, the same Dreadnought that stripped Magnus of his buffs that ended up putting the final wound on him. Seems fair. I suppose it's one of those things because people would not potentially, you know, you see a Dreadnought with two of your flamers, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, I've got Terminator yeah. armor here, I don't care. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, my whole, you know, uh, army tactic has just been torched by, just stripped. by yeah. this, you know, 130 point Dreadnought. Very cool. Very cool indeed. So the other thing we talked about, which I thought was a really interesting thing, is I did ask you back in the day what your favourite model you ever painted was. And you said, actually, the next model I paint is going to be my favourite one, <laughs> which I thought was a very cool answer. Um, but what, in not necessarily the best models you painted, but what interesting kind of challenges have you had painting-wise? Have you had any sort of, um, not peculiar requests, but sort of, you know, something that you've gone, oh, wow, that is really interesting, or working with your client to say, actually, we can do something really cool with that? Um, so... Uh, the, okay, perfect jumping off point. Uh, the Sons of Horus army have recently developed uh, for the Return to Istvan uh, thing, oh, thing yeah. that's mm. been running. Um, I wanted something that was very true and realistic to the Black Books, because unlike the Blood Angels when I started them, there wasn't much in the way of visual language behind them. But for the Sons of Horus, there are there's just tons of it. There's overwhelming amounts. In fact, that was the challenge I came up against. I had to filter what I liked and what I didn't like, what greens I agreed with and what greens I didn't. <laughs> Is uh, that like a sort of a conversation you have with them quite often? I yeah, it, 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 so I, spend a, I spend a lot of time on my own. This is the conversation. <laughs> I'm very glad I have more voices I can spend my time with <laughs> right now. Otherwise, it's just all in my head. Uh, so the, the greens, there's a multiplicity of different greens uh, from the Heresy Visions book mm. to even the black books. There's slight variations between them. So I had to choose a color scheme, work up a recipe that I was happy with, that I felt best represented Traitor Sons of Horus at the time of this Van 3 massacre. Uh, I know as Horus Heresy modelists, 
we get very hung up on the particulars. We, we're all at heart river counters. So you have to make, if you can't just paint it any old green. There has to be the right green for Istvan 3. And um, if you're a loyalist, you can have maybe a paler green to represent the Lunar Wolf armor underneath. Oh, a slightly yeah. darker green for the growing corruption in the Legion. So all these thoughts, all these these um, th things growing in my mind, I, I, I felt like I plugged it into that project very effectively. And reading the law really does give you such a good jumping off point for your project. For example, the original Black Book uh, portrayal. There's a, uh, a line in that how a um, the, the, the Abaddon or a Dreadnought had to overclimb a fountain that was smashed in the initial bombardment. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a really nice idea. So I got a friend, this is the age we live in, to print me out a small uh, fountain that I've managed to jimmy onto a war, a Unreal Wargaming uh, resin base to create um, like a little water feature. Hold on, I'm taking the photograph now and I am going to send this into the group chat and I'll, the, the, your listeners can hear all the little ooh noises. <laughs> uh, where are we? There and there. It's just coming through now. Okay. So th th that was the kind of thinking that led into that project. It's, it's drawn in as many strands as I possibly can to develop and, and force it out of my mind into reality. Um, the War Hand Commission I'm working on, really interesting, very particular, dragging the imagery from a black book into reality and working as close as I can to those reference images. So that presents its own challenge. Uh, I'm painting another lion at the moment where the client has asked for segments of his armor uh, to be white, uh, to be more akin to the Deathwing. Uh, in the army really love the idea and even the lion uh, as a miniature i didn't exactly tell my clients i was going to do this but i wanted the base to represent framas and all the imagery i could see of framas everything's on fire constantly all the time how do you go about creating that i've come across this this wonderful product uh by hair miniatures fluorescent pigments so you use them very in a very similar manner to weathering pigments only instead, you're able to create realistic fire effects blossoming on the base. Okay. Very, very easily. So that's what I did. That's why I applied to the lion's base. That, that's what gives it that um, very vibrant, on-fire-looking base. So it's the, the these consider dragging as many different um, creative threads as you possibly can and forcing them into reality. I guess that's that's the, the best part of my job as well. I spotted that, that lion base and I thought that looks like fluorescent pigments. Where the hell's he got them from? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the hair miniatures, they sold out for a while. Uh, nothing to do with me. They were just reboxing them. Uh, but you could actually get. So when I bought them, they were in smaller containers. Uh, it's a hell of a deal you get through them now. Uh, uh, yeah, high, highly advise uh, picking them up for. Uh, I mean, Christmas is around the corner. If you couldn't get a Christmas shopping list, pigments. Yeah. Hera, as in Zeus's wife, Hera. Yes, indeed. Right here. That uh, that dreadnought is absolutely spectacular. Oh, it, it, thank you. It, it is that lots is of words, lots lots of words that would I'm cost just, us yeah. our uh, PG thirteen <laughs> rating. Absolutely yeah. incredible. But do you remember when you read White Dwarf and they'd say, "Oh, I need a centerpiece model for my for my army," and it was often a dreadnought or maybe a sergeant with a ban back banner. Yeah. I, I, I things have gone on so like a. Uh, 
a, a centerpiece for an army now, God, what would it be? Like a Warham flying on top of a Thunderhawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I really Hold, holding a Leviathan in each. each yeah, half. like ripping in half yeah. with LED lights under like yeah. 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 a smoke machine. Same tune. Fluorescent so- pigments. Yeah. Yeah. You get some numpties <laughs> that get so annoyed about being beaten at painting by Pete Reese they go out and buy porphyrians and things like that, you know. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Who would do that? Yeah, what kind yeah, of utter Graham. numpty would do that? <laughs> it wasn't me, for Christ's sake. I haven't got a full theory, exactly, and I draw the I, line. I really liked, uh, oh, I really wanted to reintroduce that, okay, my centrepiece for this army is this Dreadnought. And oh, and you can make them centrepieces by doing little, I mean, the, the the steps on it aren't complicated. I got a friend to, okay, it's not complicated. All you need is a 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> A warhound and a, and a, and a, and yeah, a thunderhawk. A custom a sculpt that you make yourself. You just whip up in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> a scan of the Trevi fountain. Uh, <laughs> you can get those, yeah. Uh, so that's what I did for the base. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, it's one of those things that you look at, and it's what I like is when you see, like going to Warhammer World or seeing the, the big dioramas. He's looking at a figure and finding something on it that's interesting, right? And they oh, look at that. There's a little bit there. It's not even the figure itself. It might be something about it or near to it that's interesting. But looking at that, there's so much going on. It's a superbly painted figure, but, the you know, that that fountain and the, the, the stuff that's in and around it, just spectacular. Right? You know, yeah, and it's the story you know. I wanted to tell as well, because Horus Heresy, it's, it's so saturated with these little stories, like the bases of the Primarchs. With the, uh, Angron, for example, the first Primarch, with him killing the Marines around him. Yeah, I, I wanted to introduce that early conceptions of, of the story uh, into my own Sons of Horus army. So you have the Son of Horus underneath the foot of the Dreadnought. Who's mm. just, he, he doesn't even realize he's there. He's casually looking to his next victim <laughs> and he's reaching out with yeah. broken fingers to a melted bomb. bomb. Yeah. Oh, that is absolutely Awesome. Okay, we shall stop looking at that now. It's silly. Um, it's, not, it's not great radio, <laughs> but we will definitely share it. So we talked about how COVID has, has impacted your business, and it was interesting that that was. So we'll probably go on to the next question, which is what new trends in painting have you seen? In you know, because there seems to be there's quite a lot of uh, trends. You know, one minute it's that lighting effect, and then the yes. next it's marble, and then it's something else. Have you seen anything? <laughs> yeah emerge yes, the man who is single-handedly responsible for everything being marble for six months <laughs> yeah yeah that, that took off a lot more than i thought it would um, um it's, yeah so uh, i mean trends uh back in the day what was it like uh dry brushing and then there was airbrushing then osl yeah. then then this then that then the other um i think you've seen ex- beyond the painting side of things you are seeing a massive explosion in 3D printing mm-hmm. uh, for customized parts or single piece miniatures. And that's not uh, like taking a just there in STL and printing that out and having an army of those. No, it's designing your own miniatures uh, like a, an elf or a dragon or, f- or like I've seen a lot of like um, Wolverines and, and um, or, or comic book characters come out. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot more of that. So customizability when it comes to individual users. So 3D printing, I'm seeing take off in a massive, massive way. I think of it, that's going to dominate the landscape over the next 10 years. Uh, but as far as miniature painting goes, especially towards the high end, illustration, uh, it, it look, artwork is starting to look more like illustration mm. now than traditional miniature painting. 
where people would only be considering a single light source. So with the Dreadnought I sent you, there's only a single light source uh, from above. Mm-hmm. Whereas with higher end miniature painting, you're seeing uh, often two light sources. So when you watch a film and a scene is set at night, they often have, I don't know, um, like an orange light. Uh, they do this a lot in Luke, Luke Cage, if you've ever watched that show. An orange light from above and some like mm-hmm. green off in the background. Colors framed either side of the face so you can see all the details. Whereas back in the day, like Death Wish, those old films, uh, set at night, half the face would be completely black. You'd lose all of it. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot more illustration techniques being brought into the hobby and uh, you are seeing much, much weirder color palettes, thankfully. Mm. So there's a guy named Patrick J. Jones, and I've just discovered him. And I feel like I've been living under a rock because I haven't I, I haven't heard about this guy before. But he's a sci-fi and fantasy, I guess, grandmaster. And he has this wonderful set of books, uh, oil painting masterclass and um, painting and fantasy. So a lot of the books you recommended as a miniature painting – They are very theory heavy, whereas this combines like that whimsical theory with practical step by step pictures. So you're able to see the formation of these unbelievable works of art and and try and retrace how he went about creating that. And I do believe there's a range of off the back of his work. So you're seeing uh, like a lot of Spanish painters uh, imitate his work on miniature. Uh, which is something else. So gotcha. that is very much the trend I'm detecting, uh, that miniature painting is taking on a lot more illustrative um, uh, techniques and Got bringing you. them in, in, into the miniatures themselves. I'd agree wow. with that. I'd agree with that from the yeah. bits of fanboying that I do on the, on the various, <laughs> on the few bits of the internet that I still go yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so the cult of paint guys, they've done a Kickstarter recently. Uh, the box art they've been producing for that uh, by Andy Wardle, Richard Gray, uh, the guys over at Big Child Creatives, they use a lot of illustrators techniques in that uh, because it's a larger surface. They can have two light sources. You can really show off with those kind of sculpts. Uh, and I think if you're looking for where miniature painting is heading, have a look at the box art produced for that Kickstarter. Uh, okay. I think that's that's where it's heading. Yeah, there's some nice stuff. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's some nice stuff. Rolling, isn't it? It's and then, you, you, then you go and look at sort of like Kirill Kanaev and like even the people who go and win at Monte Casino just go, oh, for God's sake, Kirill, just pack it in. You're making us all look bad. I, I don't know how <laughs> the guy does it. I, <laughs> I'm not sure he's actually human. I mean, his non-metallic work, I'm looking at it. You can't from, tell. From different angles and it still looks pitch perfect. Like the yeah. reflections he builds with, with uh, matte paint, it's beyond, absolutely beyond yeah well there you go that was awesome but yes i'll definitely dig those out to have a look but yeah interesting so so more sort of illustrative um or using those techniques from sort of that process is the next thing and that's a really interesting point about um you know 3d printing and not sort of just mass producing a cheap army because you've got a 3d printer but actually designing your own or yeah. you know you know customizing your own rather than potentially where previously we'd had to sort of scratch built stuff from lots of different models to sort of create something that's unique to you and your army and sort of in the actual sculpt itself. So that's, Very that will be so. interesting to see how that develops, let's say, because that's, that does sort of put the, 
the, the creative process, you know, not just painting somebody else's interpretation of that sculpt and painting that well, it's your own interpretation of what that particular character may look like as well, which is yeah, super I think interesting. The, the technology able to do that is becoming more user friendly mm. as the day goes by. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think it's, it, I mean, taking already existing miniatures like a dreadnought and printing out, I think that's backward looking. I don't, yeah. you, you're not yeah. really using it as full potential. It's, it, it it doesn't look as I mean I haven't seen a printout that looks anywhere near as good as uh, like something that's been manufactured by Games Workshop for example. Mm. No, uh, no, you can really always isn't. tell it's three D printed. However, the parts you're able to three D print look good. Yeah. In addition to to the miniatures. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be long though before that that final gap gets closed, and I think that's something that I've been saying for a while that um, well, I mean, Forge, World, Forge World are going to have to, or, or GW are going to have to look at. For example, the Porphyrian that I bought in January, I could have bought a very good resin bath uh, mm-hmm. printer for that price with, yeah. uh, like you know, one hundredth of a mil layer gaps if i wanted to spend an entire year printing printing a porphyrian <laughs> but i could in theory you can get that standard technology for about the price they're charging now so i'm, I'm they're, they're on the ball they'll be they'll be thinking about it they'll be they'll be working out how to do it yeah subscription service maybe yeah Self, self-destructing files you know you've, <laughs> print, you, you've, you've you've printed a porphyrian once boom the file disappears you know what i mean blows up um, the 3d printer yeah. <laughs> from, what, from what I gather from listening to Phosphex Party, Ant does that all the time itself anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting development to see where that, because it is almost a, like a sort of semi-disruptive technology for their current business model and where that ends up. You know, we have talked about it on the show. Um, you know, what will, what will GW do to, to sort of combat that? Because I don't want to be kind of um, napstered. To use the sort of yeah, I, I think the, the worst thing you could do is try and battle against it because that's the way the tide is going. Yeah. Uh, I read a inspiration. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is read inspirational gym quotes on Instagram, even oh, though I haven't been to the gym in like three years. <laughs> I, I, I still like the mental uh, kind of like exercise of reading through these quotes. And um, something popped up about uh, copyright claims mm-hmm. that the reason why people use places like Pirate Bay is that it's easier to use than the official sources. Mm-hmm. You should be looking to make the official source easier to use than the pirates. That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. That was definitely the lesson, wasn't it? From There, are, know, from there are exceptions. There are exceptions as well. I know Neil Gaiman says, encourages people to, to torrent his books because the countries he gets torrented the most in, he sells the most books in because people will read the torrented version and go, really like that. I want yeah. that on the shelf, and then they'll go and buy it. But the, 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 it's the try before you buy thing. But I suppose yeah. books are very different, uh, and it's, especially if it's quality, right? So you read Neil Gaiman, it's it's quality right mm-hmm. throughout. If you buy something that's not very good, well, I guess the market in that case, the the cream would rise to the crop. Only the good stuff gets circulated. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, challenging times. Challenging times, definitely. For and like I say, they've got a huge team that will be looking at that. One assumes, you know, sort of. One would hope, anyway, that they've got this in. Oh, consider. did you see that they printed a 3D uh, tortoise jaw, like steel titanium um, tortoise jaw, because they uh, oh. a boat ran it over, completely messed up. Oh, stuff. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, they yeah, I saw that, yeah. It, it it looks bad. It looks like something mechanical will whip up. Awesome! <laughs> I, I, I knew that. I, I, I knew they could sort of print titanium. Kind yeah. of style tortoise. I can't wait for the future. It's gonna, it's gonna be awesome. It, it can't be as weird. My, as the, my, 
It can't be as weird as the Bob the Builder theme, Gasgol. I saw that somebody linked in one of the chats I'm in yesterday that I'm now desperately trying to unsee. <laughs> yeah, my um my my local vets has a 3D printer for printing um specialist sort of like a uh, what do you call them um not slings um oh I mean, pros- prosthetics and yeah braces and stuff yeah okay cool for like healing anyway the future we shall see what it brings as always so. The next thing you kindly said that you would give us a little bit of a consultancy yes. on our projects for next year. So I have got one. Um, who wants to go first? Ask ask the expert. Here we go, gents. Here's your chance. Oh, now, mine's all, who's mine's going to be all, working on next? What yeah, fifty p per word out of me. So get your money. <laughs> mine's going to be mine's going to be terrain. So I'm not sure what that's going Michael, you've painted more terrain than the Warhammer World Events crew. What do That's you need true. help with terrain for? That is true. We only have 14 tables. I need a oh, have, only have four, That's 14 more than me. Yes. <laughs> I got a tip for it. Um, find an SDL file for the Sagrada Familia and oh, 3D print that. Hells yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. scale. Don't, give, don't give him ideas. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and then we'll play Necromunda on it and not even play 30k on it. <laughs> Oh, you could grim dark it up as well. You could smash it through. You could have rogue. Oh, yeah. No, you, you, you have to keep the windows because the windows are the best bit. That's true. Find an STL of Coventry in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, did that get a bit dark? Yeah, I think that was a bit grim, <laughs> grim dark. Sort of yeah, grim very, squared. Very grim dark. Two um, so Rob, what are you any what are you thinking about next year? You I have I have, I have a going. question for for Mr. Miles. So I think it's going to be uh, Golden Boys for me next. Oh, okay. I think now I, I I've picked your brains briefly on on this before, but other than avoiding the GW Orange Gold, which I can't mm. stand. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Vallejo's Old Gold. It's a bit greener. Mm-hmm. It's a lot greener. Yes. Um, but other than just purple recesses, which I know Ooh. I've managed to winkle out of you um, <laughs> before, um, how the hell do I make a lot of gold look interesting? Um, so uh, if we flatten gold down uh, we, and call it a matte colour, it's yellow. Mm-hmm. Now, yellow occupies a really interesting point in the colour wheel because it's not only the highest value colour naturally occurring, so value being the scale from black to white, it, looks, it naturally looks the brightest when you look at it without mm-hmm. adding any white to it. But it also straddles the divide between warm and cool. So you can have decide early on whether you want cool highlights. So like you say, that gold is slightly cooler because there's more green in it and warm shadows. So you can have more amber tones in Mm -hmm. there. So decide early on which way you want to do it. Uh, uh, Cooler highlights would indicate it being a cooler surrounding. So it would be, uh, I don't know, like set at night or like at a night world, uh, maybe there's snow around. It would be reflecting the cooler ambient uh, colours around the custodies. Um, mm-hmm. But if you had warm highlights, it would be, I don't know, like a ball or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one set I cannot recommend enough is the Metal and Alchemy Golden Series by Scale 75. I've got the steel one. I don't have the gold one. Well, oh, if you if you're collecting custodies, get get this um it comes with negro gold which is a kind of like off-tone desaturated greenish gold viking gold which is slightly warmer dwarven gold warmer again elven gold which i think would make a really nice base tone for your custodies because it's it's a nice heroic gold that you can either um add peridot alchemy into which is a much greener lighter 
gold into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can finish off with a citrine alchemy, which is slightly matte. So um, we talked about previously putting purple into the shadows. Another thing you can do if you want to give them a slightly more aged appearance is put green into the shadows first, like an emerald green uh, mm-hmm. or a boreal tree green. Something that when you apply warmer colors on top of, it will desaturate them. So when you put a cool color like green and you put a warm color, uh, something which has more amber into it, something that's opposite on the color wheel, Mm -hmm. they create a much more interesting, deeper shadow than just using black in there. So um, let's condense this down into something a bit more practical. Buy the uh, metal and alchemy set. Mm-hmm. decide what your ambience what your basing scheme will be uh and then choose whether to have warm highlights or cool highlights and then you can work the inverse for the shadows uh, and then in the shadows use green and then use purple and browns on top to to build uh, the contrast to it Right, I've been frantically writing notes. All of this information you can find in glorious 4K yeah. with full PDF support on lilegendstudiopatreon.com. Oh, there we go. I just had to work that in. No, <laughs> absolutely right. I was going to say, this is like stuff we're getting for free here. Come on. I, uh, I think I still have my Patreon account with you, so I'll, I'll share the uh, details with Rob. So Phenomenal. Can, you know. yeah, yeah, so I mean, that's part of the reason why I started the Patreon. Uh, is that I say these things and it's very confusing even to me, but showing you is just another thing. I mean, when you see how good gold can look when you overlap purple and especially like a rhinox hide or I tell you what I've been loving recently, the uh, Cryptek armor shade gloss. Oh yeah. Oh, I do like that. It's, it's a beauty. It's a really deep russety Brown. Now, if you overlap that on top of green, that will deepen all the shadows and just make it look, it'll give it a depth that simply wouldn't be there unless the green was foregrounding it. Mm. And until you see that in action, it, it's kind of like magic, right? You know, it works, but you don't know how. So that's, that's what these sets of videos and, and PDF tutorials give you. It, it gives you the tools. and It, it just, I mean, seeing is believing, right? I show you how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just have a look at that golden uh, alchemy set. That looks really nice. That Peridot alchemy so looks amazing. Good. It airbrushes beautifully as well. It's it brush responsive. Yeah, it's it's such a good set. I was kind of thinking last night I'd love to see a uh, non-gloss version of Cryptic Armor Shade. Yeah. So uh, what you could do if you wanted that, take a uh, matte medium. Yeah. Add to it. Mm. Yeah, give it more satin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that was awesome. Okay, well, we're <laughs> What's the other project? Three yes. percent. There's three projects. What, what's the other question? I I was gonna. So here's the thing. I would like to do Dark Angels, right? Okay. But mm. I have a natural. I don't know. It's just me. It may just be me, right? I'm not a huge fan of edge highlighting. So when you okay. see like the sort of black and then the grey edges. Yeah. I know it can be done superbly well and it looks great. I'm not that good. It would look. Re- it would look like too big a contrast. Um, and I was wondering if there's a way to give you rather than just having flat blackness, because I like a matte black, but mm-hmm. with some kind of depth. Oh, boy, oh. have I got the tip for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite expensive. Uh, so this technique is quite expensive. It's quite specialized. Okay. So um, it might take a few practices to get it right, but you take a normal everyday pencil, you shave the graphite 
onto your desk, you take your finger, roll it round, and then you roll over the hard edges. Mm. Wow. I've I've used that for um aeronautica planes. So mm-hmm. yeah. Try try using it on black as well. Um it it defines the details you're rolling your finger over while still preserving the I guess quintessential essentialness of that black. Yes. Because yeah. like oh, a shiny, shiny, me, shiny, metally. Yeah, because that's the thing. Because if you well, sort of do it with grey, it dulls it down. It looks more grey than black, and you still want that. Kind yep. Of, that, my friend, is flipping amazing. <laughs> yeah, Megan's done it on her Orc aeronautica planes. Uh, graphite. It looks so good. It's like, don't use varnish on the top. I, I normally do that. That's the last thing I do at a project. Um, and you may find doing this, they might get some rub off. Uh, yes when gaming however it's it, it's quite a durable uh technique mm. it, unless you excessively rub it it's not going to come off but yeah that would be my tip there it's it's a simple cheap easy effective way and if if you're struggling with your finger uh, take a clay shaper yeah um the, the kind of things you use to sculpt with yeah. um you could get, get a lot more precision then uh, on those hard to reach places if you're excessively rubbing your um, models, folks, you've probably got a problem. I just want to point that out because that doesn't sound at all healthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> excessively rubbing my models. Right. That's awesome. OK, who's next? Uh, Chris, I guess. Oh, I, can't, I, I can't think of anything. Cause, um, all the hard hitting Alpha Strike armies. <laughs> exactly. There's one still to do. site, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I have, yeah, I, a good how, way. How about, if I, how about if I give you one of my favourite tips? Um, I, I, I do have one quick, one question actually. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, um, getting a good leathery effect on on big things' wings. Oh, okay. Um, get yourself down to your local art store, and you could buy natural sponge. So instead of trying to create these rich, le- uh, nice leathery effects uh, with um uh, with a brush which is quite hard to do you yeah. uh, have you seen these things like natural sponge they, they yeah, look, yeah they also look like coral like cor- cor- uh, in the yeah. cor- coral reef mm. reef um you can add your chosen leather uh mixture so i would probably start with i don't know like a uh, so a, a lot of things i use the scale 75 uh, and i have unsurprisingly the wooden leather paint set so you can start with a base coat of something like uh, red leather, and then you can use uh, any roco on the top, and then you can use a little bit of walnut, and then maybe to finish off a bit of um, sandalwood. And you can sponge that on the top to create that broken, fractured look to the leather, mm. and then take a, 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 a brown ink and glaze it over the top to give it that sort of... I don't know, satiny appearance. And it also okay. makes all the colours kind of like cohere together. Mm. But yeah, on large yeah. surfaces like that, don't try and create those effects with a brush. Uh, either take a makeup brush, uh, like the Artist Opus guys uh, use, or you could just buy uh, uh, from, from, from Boots or something. Uh, or my preference would be the sponge because you can get a lot more interesting surfaces cool. Uh, cool. by doing that. Yeah, that would yeah. be my tip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. More natural looking because they're yeah, not manufactured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing because trying to do it with like varnishes and things, it doesn't 
doesn't have that natural look so that's the no yeah and i find trying to do with the brush as well you're unable to get that real kind of like cracked leathery appearance that nice yeah, yeah. You, you just can't make it look nice oh cool Super. thank you very much absolutely awesome uh mr b have you got anything uh i i suppose uh one of the projects i'm sort of thinking about is a um uh militia so but I want to go troop heavy. So it's sort of like, what techniques do you have to, well, not techniques, I suppose, more like, what do you do to not, what do you do to not get bored when you've got a lot of the same stuff to paint? Um, uh, what, what's on the Without offense to your techniques, they're way above me. <laughs> My ability. Uh, what, what are the models you're using for the militia? Uh, possibly Krieg. Oh, okay. Cool. Them. I've got yeah, a lot I've, of them. I've, you know, I've done a video on the exact subject, how to crack through a lot of Krieg very, very quickly. Um, the basic answer is spray cans. Mm -hmm. They are your friends. So I've gone for almost like a Sons of Horus greenish uh, color. Halfords. Get yourself down to Halfords. I bought a brown spray. Uh, this wasn't for the tutorial. I've used uh, the, the airbrush, but it, it's very broadly the same. Mm -hmm. uh, the airbrush gives you slightly more specificity, whereas Halford spray you can do a lot all at once. Uh, yeah. If if you are got, what color scheme are you going for? Uh, thinking sort of like a gray green or almost German. Uh, oh, um, I've done exactly say. Hold on, hold on, give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've 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 done exactly the same color scheme as you. So um. I've, I've bought the Scale 75 Feldgrau uh, oh, yeah. paint set, uh, which is Ooh, awesome um, to, to use across your entire army. Uh, but I've also got Rover Russet Brown spray paint from Halfords. Oh, yeah. I was looking at that for a, for a, some for um, some Necromunda scene. Yeah. Actually. Spray across the entire army with this stuff and then take a color called Ford Highland Green spray paint and mm -hmm. use that as a zenithal highlight. So directly from above airbrush down yeah um and that will give you a very very good basis for the army i i probably then block in the details add a gloss varnish over the top uh mm -hmm. and then use washes on top of that uh, right. so the reason why you use the gloss varnish is that any subsequent colors would go into the gaps and recesses mm -hmm. it okay. makes the paint more predictable and where it flows right. then use a matte varnish over the top chip mm -hmm. up with silver uh, bob's your uncle you have an army Nice. I'll give that a look. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Well, we have one more question. One more question, which uh, Chris has asked, which is, uh, do you have any, you are a master of painting, absolutely, but do you still have any bad habits that you do that you think, oh, God, I shouldn't do that, and yet I still do it every time? Um, or have you managed to get into that Zen place, that almost Jedi-like place where, you know, those things are be, are be, I have ascended to another level? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I wish. Um, <laughs> bad habits. I, I guess I've learned to become more comfortable with my bad habits. Um, so when I see other people's work, especially competition painters, mm -hmm. they tend to work a bit at a time. Um, again, very broadly, very general statement there. Um, where he, uh, sorry, um, I'm thinking of a guy called John Keyes in particular. Unreal, oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely unbelievable painter. But everything he does, uh, it's it's a section at a time. So he'll paint the knee, then the leg. And he's very methodical in that way. Now, I've tried to follow that, but I get 
I guess it's the, the the commission painter in me. I can't let the paint set. I can't let the paint dry when I could be working on something else. Yes. So I tend to move around the miniature a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that's if I wanted to develop my painting or in a different direction, um, I'd need to knuckle down on each segment and do it to perfection. Um, but then again, I see other people artwork who work in very general universal tones, and then they tighten everything up at the end. I think it's a case of just becoming more comfortable with your own flaws and realizing that you could turn those into strengths rather than weaknesses. Got you. Um, one thing I do hate seeing people do is licking their brushes though. Um, oh yeah. Guilty as charged. Yeah. That, that, that's a big thing. Um, and again, it's not true for everybody. Um, one of the best miniature painters in the world, Ben Comet. He is a brush licker, unashamedly. <laughs> and who, who am I to criticise Ben Comet? No, no way. You insult. Um, that's that's yes. what I'm calling Graham next month. You flipping exactly. Um, yeah, absolute I, brush licker. Controlling the moisture on my bristles uh, with a piece of paper beside beside my desk, and I had to get out of that habit relatively quickly. Because I didn't want to use oil paint to then lick. I, Ooh, I, I've done that once. My <laughs> smudge went numb for the evening. I'm not doing that yet. <laughs> yeah, my, my, mine's more about, I need to get a point perfect on it. I'll lick it and do that. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I know it's bad. I know you should be doing it on the palette. And... What I tend to do now is my little finger. So when I'm dragging the brush up, I'll, I'll catch it in kind of like the crook, my little finger, and drag it up through that to bring it to a point. Ah, I'm just I'm just gonna give that a try. Yeah, but uh, oh wow, yeah, that works. Because, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that that's how I found to to stop doing that. But becoming more comfortable with your flaws, I guess, is my. Uh, it's not exactly a. Uh, I'm yeah, because if it works any, for you, it works for yeah. you. It doesn't have to yeah. be. You know, we're not all the the the. the you know, we're not all going to be on your level. Where you know, whatever works for us is great. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I but think always trying to get better. <laughs> in this age of social media as well, we were able to see so much of like the master's work. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to think, oh, hell, he does it that way. Or she does it that way. I Why? Perhaps I should change for that. And then, so there's um, a varnish, Lucky Mig uh, Ultra Matte Varnish. People mm-hmm. rave about this stuff. I've never been able to make it work. But because I haven't been make, make, uh, been able to make it work doesn't mean uh, like I'm, I'm I'm using it wrong, obviously. But it's just one of those things that mm. I don't get along with, so I don't incorporate it in my technique. And that's something I try and introduce into the Patreon a lot, that the videos I present are very much a jumping off point for creativity. They aren't the end point. They are suggestions. You can see them in play, in work. I want you to adapt them for your own needs. Yep. Superb. Well, that does segue beautifully into the next section. So you got this awesome advent calendar idea that you're coming up with. So can you talk to us about that? Tell us all about it. Cause I really want to know. And also anything else you're thinking about for 2021 in terms of what you're doing with the Patreon? Yes. So the advent calendar, it came about as a joke like two, three years ago uh, that I put up something every every day. And it sort of took on a bit of a life of its own. I've had people uh, as early as like September asking me, are you doing the advent calendar again this year? Uh, I'm pleased to announce Advent Calendar 2020 is a go. I have the first 18 already queued up, ready and raring to go. Nice. Um, the rest of the month is being worked on, uh, and there will be 
a special patron only exclusive release sent directly to your uh, drop boxes uh, sorry to your um, uh, inboxes via patron for uh, the, I'm not, I'm not going to say what it is but it's a full tutorial in and of itself during the month not only do you get the amazing amazing artwork sent to you of let me get this correct because I mispronounced this studio so many times already uh, but he's done some amazing rogue trader artwork for me I, I couldn't believe the quality uh, so Spavena Studio S-P-E-V-N-A that sounds familiar uh, he's done the artwork for our uh, uh, the Age of Darkness's podcast as well he's ah, just, that's probably where I've heard yeah, it from he's done the lot but he's done me a special calendar so every day you only get it's a, a little piece of uh, Rogue Trader-esque artwork with a bit of a Christmas flavor uh, attached. So the 25th, uh, for example, is a cyborg Santa. And he, I don't know what it is, about, but he looks drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so smashed. Uh, yeah, love the artwork. Uh, you, We've got giveaways from our sponsors who have been, I'm, I'm sitting on just like a horde, I feel like a dragon, like just a horde of stuff. <laughs> That's been sent to me. Un- unbelievably generous uh, sponsors through Airbrushes. Doc- I-, I suppose I should mention them. Airbrushes.com, Redgrass Games, and Unreal Wargaming Bases. They've all been so generous in sending stuff over to me to give out to you guys. Um, uh, so uh, th- 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 there's wet palettes, there's painting sets, there's uh, bases. Um, every day uh, you'll have a tutorial or a giveaway or some manner of treat directly into your uh, inbox per day so i want you to wake up the first thing you do in the morning wake up take a piece of that really sweet uh crappy cheap chocolate that you've bought uh, <laughs> from your advent calendar pop it in your mouth open up the email because i want i want you to associate that really nice rich texture in your mouth with the patreon <laughs> habit forming that would be such a lovely thing right yeah superb. absolutely superb uh, but that is the uh, intention for the advent every single day. Um, I've worked in s- much smaller videos, so very much to the point on how to create cracked red leather, for example, how to use color shift paints, um, how to do a Space Wolf's Grey that we've recently done for a um, 40K commission, uh, as well as the uh, Dreadnought that I sent you, the Sons mm-hmm. of Horus Dreadnought, the full complete tutorial, including how to create the base, the water effects, the chipping, it's all on there. So you essentially get a year's worth of content all in one month. But not only do you get that, because the way Patreon's set up, you get all the previous months as well. So you get access to the Lion Masterclass and PDF tutorials, Sanguinius, the Krieg tutorials, you get access to the essentials, how to do marble, brushwork technique, color theory. In fact, um, to all listeners, if you sign up through this, send me a message. Tell me where you've you've come from, and I will send you a PDF tutorial that was only a month-only exclusive for color theory, which should explain a little bit about the color choices you may want to apply in future projects, nice. and why they are, and how to create a cohesive, color coherent army across your army. Oh, that was a very redundant sentence. Then a lot of redundancies there, but that uh, no, no, made sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also touches on the Martian color wheel. And if you've never looked this up, it's a fascinating color wheel. One of my favorite color wheels. Martian, yeah, it explains a little bit uh, behind that. Uh, so let me know you've come through this, and I'll send you that uh, through exclusively. Uh, Thank you. But go, go, going forward, 
Oh, the Sons of Horus are coming to a close. Um, we've had nearly all the Primarchs come out now. Yeah, we're just missing the Scar now. Uh, uh, you know, the Khan now. Just Khan. missing the Khan. Where exactly to go next? Next year, I would like to concentrate much more on the development of uh, people's brushwork technique. So there'll be a lot more videos on how to get the most from simple techniques, simple exercises that you can that do on small projects. That exactly. would be handy. Exactly. Because I, I don't do anything exceptional with the brush. It's just a lot of core techniques applied in different ways. Because I'm, I'm conscious of the fact of how I want the brush work to look at the end. I'm able to employ So tracing that methodology, trying to create that line of thinking in my students' work. Uh, I want to make my palette a lot more weirder next year. So carrying on from our talks about that's the way miniature painting is going, illustrative techniques, how to practically research and employ those that line of thinking to your own work. Bust painting. I'd love to do. Um, so we're seeing an explosion of three uh, of third party producers mm. from uh, the Krieg bust. That's very yeah. uh, famous. We've had the Cult of Paint guys bring out their own range of busts. I want to do a lot more higher end. I'm looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger printed out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a, a lot more of that work introduced uh, yeah, as well uh, as. Uh, I normally like doing an army per year as well. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit of a crossroads exactly what to do. So I'll throw it up on Patreon in January. What would you like to see me develop? I think the choices will be between a Krieg army, a 40k Primaris army, or X that I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I like to do the, the same as well, you know, try, try and pick something to do a year mm-hmm. that's a bit different. Yeah. To challenge yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking for myself next year. I'm thinking fleshy to courts. Oh, AOS. Yeah. Okay, that's the third option. Thank you very much. Okay, AOS army. I mean, we've just seen the preview of um, Sigvald. Yeah. How unbelievably impressive. I mean, as a painting feature to improve your skills, to push yourself, to shatter yourself against, like an egg being thrown in a wall. Yes. <laughs> That's the kind of uh, the tackle, right? I mean, the 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 um the non-metallic metal, uh, you know, the non-metallic metals that people are going to try yep. on those are they're going to blow our mind. It's like I know people were complaining about the faces of the demon ones, and I'm like, yeah, but wait until you know people like yourselves and Neil and all uh, I, I and such get hold of them. And so there's a community Inquisitor 28. Yeah. I think as soon as those mm. guys get their hands on that, people who do a lot more grim dark work. Mm-hmm. I think with a grimier, more realistic, more stylized paint job, I think you're going to see some really creepy stuff from those faces. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, not to disparage heavy metal, but they've got a style. They stick mm-hmm. to that style. It works for marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, the community itself has got so many different styles that they like to do. Mm. As soon as they get hold of something, you know, you see it when people say, "Oh, well, that paint job's not so good." It was uh, who was who was the Space Wolf character that people were? Uh, oh, the Hugvar Redblade or something. That's yeah. the one. Hugvar, yeah. You know, people were like, "Oh, it's a horrible paint job." But and as soon as people in the community got it, it was like, "Oh, wow, yeah, that's fantastic." Yeah, um, Warmaster Painters recently done one. Oh, oh my lord, what what a yeah. job he's done of that sculpt. Yeah, because... I, I mean, admittedly, he has put a helmet on it, but. You know, <laughs> I like the head. 
anyway we have Tell taken up a huge amount of your time miles uh, more than we'd anticipated it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you that is one of the best interviews that i've done or been involved in so thank you so much it was really really oh good. thank you yeah it's, i mean i always look I, i've been we've been chatting like off off screen off camera yeah. uh like say oh god i can't wait for this interview i've been really looking forward to it yeah thank you so much for having me on guys and let me talk about uh my things um any of your um listener questions that you have any new projects for next year please let me know i'd engaging with people in this way just produces more content and it, it mm-hmm. allows me to uh, because I, when i'm off in my own world developing projects perhaps i lose touch with more like a wider community what people actually want to see from me so mm-hmm. getting these questions talking about this stuff is just goddamn invaluable for me so please anybody out there listening please get in touch uh because the more we talk the more we interact the better just the better life gets yeah 100 percent. very cool great stuff well like i say thanks again and um like i say you we'll put all the details for um the patreon the advent calendar etc etc in the show notes people can go straight to it from here and we wish you all the very best for a very productive and artistic 2021 mile so thanks again oh thanks again guys bye-bye Okay, so that was the episode. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. As we said, we will be back hopefully Monday or Tuesday with an episode focusing on the Death Guard. And also we'll have Mark Frost, another painting expert, on to talk about the Night Lords from Book Nine. So that should be fun. Um, anything you want to add, Megan? Not really. Not really? No. No. I'll obviously have to listen to that episode with all of the unedited parts beforehand. Oh God, Graham swear we're swearing. It's just yeah. It's it's it's, it's horror. And the, the sex talk. Oh God, I mean, I didn't know you could do that kind of thing with, uh, with dolphins, but I, uh, you know, you can't yeah. unhear that, can you? No. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll uh, see you next week. <laughs>